Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yep. And welcome back to Talking Knicks. We got a full house today. Kenny and Greg Poon, Tom Piccolo, BBD, myself, Talking Jake. I've got sirens going on in the background. How hilarious is that for just kicking off a podcast? We're going to catch up on some Knicks stuff. Uh, we're sneaking up eerily quickly on the season. There hasn't been a ton of breaking news, but maybe we'll break some on the pod. Tune in. Let's talk Knicks. I am Jake Storielli. Let's talk some Knicks, guys. The, the big breaking news, uh, my cousin Dean got engaged. So uh, congratulations job, to Dean. Dean. Um, so that's the big news in Knicks. Land. No, um, I'm excited to wrap with you guys. It's been a little bit. I, I think the last time I was here, uh, we, were, we were doing draft stuff, and we crushed the draft by not blowing the draft. It was kind of consensus. You guys talked some Austin Rivers since then, and I don't know. We did the guys officially re- were reported to camp, or they just did the test? I mean, we've got preseason games coming up. It's happening, Katie Boom. What's happening? Hey, Jake. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Mm. Uh, just, uh, just, just here to talk some Knicks. Had myself a nice, nice little weekend. It was my girlfriend's birthday yesterday, oh. uh, so we celebrated that. We we ate some delicious cake and uh, we watched a lot of um, sixty days in. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. I've never heard of it before. My girlfriend started watching it and we watched it for the last two days straight. So I mean that, that might be another part of the episode. We could talk about it later. How you doing, Jake? Sixty days in. I think you kind of have to tell us what it's about. If you watched it for two days straight. So basically, it's just about people who volunteer to go into jail for 60 days oh dude. dude bbd were we talking about this did i dream that conversation yeah yeah you you and i at the office were talking with ant who watched that show yeah um yes. and he was just telling us a bunch of stuff about it because we had, we had a day what last week that was we spent a good hour on just tv talk um, one of one of our editors Ant, came up to me and he's like how much money would it take for you to spend 60 days in jail and i was like all right the Ant. office is getting a little too loose um let's <laughs> we got to make some more guidelines uh and then he's like no it's this show and people do it and it's it's kind of fun he's like some people some people have like a good time like they blend in and they like chill other people have a bad time because they're in jail i was like what's happening in the world so I'm glad you like it, question mark. Do, I mean, do the people on the show get paid money to, to do it? I Did have you... no idea. I have to assume so. Otherwise, I have no idea why they're doing it. Um, their whole point is it's supposed to be like for reforming the prisons. Like they're supposed to go in and find out, out stuff that's going on inside the prisons. And then at the end, they talk to the, the sheriffs or whoever's in charge of the prison. And they're like, hey, this I found I got this stuff for you. 
and uh, then they're supposed to do stuff with the prisons. But I don't ever know if that happens. I guess it's jail. It's not prison. Jail is before prison, just so you guys know. Some, I mean, someone can correct me, but I believe Ant told us they get paid like three thousand per episode or something. So it's like a ten episode season. So it comes out to they get like thirty k for the sixty days. That the math is like right. No to need me. to correct it. I mean that that math. Yeah. I don't know if that's the number they're getting paid, but that's definitely the right math if that is the rate. <laughs> if it is, I'm. I mean. I think I think Ant hit, enough for me. hit the hit the nail on the head. Some people go in there and do fine. Other people do not. Uh, and also, we've we've seen parts of three seasons, and uh, depending on which place you're in, it seems like a lot different experience. So, like a couple of the places were pretty rough, and a couple of the places everyone was just kind of chilling. So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and I I Is I'll make a Blake and say for for. Th- for thirty thousand dollars, I would do it. I would. I mean, yes. I don't care what the okay. situation is. For thirty thousand dollars, I would go spend sixty days in prison. That's not a. Yeah, I would do it. Yes. I mean, I I watched I watched the first few episodes of Oz like a couple of weeks ago, and I I would not. That was a different experience. I don't. It didn't look like the first sixty days in jail would be enjoyable. Oz was one of those shows where, like the main characters or who you thought was going to be the main character just died immediately. Mm. And you're like, Oh, I guess I wouldn't go to jail. (laughs) All right. I I would not do well in jail is what I've decided. I wouldn't, I would not enjoy my time in jail. I wouldn't be one of those guys. I didn't think I would either. I I think the line I came to is I need like a grand a day to start considering it. I mean, it'd be, and, and I stand by it. It'd be it'd be okay if we all went together. <laughs> like it's a well, dude. That's Ant. So when Ant was telling us about this to try to hook us in, he was like, he's like, yeah, dude. People do ridiculous. Like some guy just pretended to be sick the whole time, so like nobody messed with him. So he just like yeah. walked around kind of with a limp and stuff. Yeah, and so like, that's, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> my so me, my girlfriend and I talked about this, and she said she would just go in and just act crazy and just like act. She was like like she was a crazy person, and then people would leave her alone. I think that I is not. people's prison plan, right? Uh, let's talk about the prison of being <laughs> a Knicks fan a little bit. Um, Greg, Tom, at, at BBD, we kind of checked in with you guys briefly. You good? You want to? What's on your Knicks mind? Where are you guys at? Who's your favorite player? <laughs> um, so on my Knicks mind, uh, one of my friends from BC is a girl, and Mitchell nice. Robinson liked, liked one of her photos. Okay. <laughs> so he's he's thirsty. There's your inside information. Damn, that's huge. Dave, Tom, well, Can't I think top today that. was the first like team workout for the Knicks. Yeah, I'd be making that up, but I believe I saw their Instagram account post a graphic or something, and so they're doing stuff. I mean, it sounds like Mitch is getting some workouts in on the side, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh. That's huge. That's the breaking <laughs> yeah, I, news that uh, Jake promised all of you. Bet it is huge. <laughs> Tom, who are you preseason sneaking up? And we're diving into this. Thibodeau had a quote that the young legs will be good in this weird 72-game season. Sure. Um, kind of can't believe that till it happens. Are you starting to get more excited about any player or any aspect of the team 
heading into preseason? And is there is there, is there something you're watching? What what is your build up to the next season going to look like? Yeah, so I think that Obi Toppin is kind of like the shiny new toy that a lot of Knicks fans are, are really into right now. And I can see why. He's he's coming in super polished. Um, you know, there was some there was some talk that he set some like conditioning records at Knicks preseason camp. I don't know if you guys saw those stories going around. He's, he's definitely getting the hype, but um, I, I'm most excited to watch R.J. Barrett for sure. I mean, just to see what he does in year two. Um, you know, year one was really tough for him as far as having David Fisdale as a coach coming into the NBA being like, what? I have David Fisdale as a coach? And, he, you know, he yeah. was just so bad. And um, I saw a stat from B-Ball Index, who I used to write for last season, and they said that R.J. Barrett was in the zero-eth, zero-eth percentile in terms mm. of the uh, spacing that he played with on the floor. He was in the least optimized lineups of any player in the whole league. So, I mean, any <laughs> any increase in that metric would uh, would definitely benefit RJ. And I just want to see what he can do. Not to say that this team's going to have a bunch of stud shooters all around him, but just any just hint of optimization of RJ Barrett is going to go a long way for his game. And I just want to see the improvements he's made coming into year two. What's uh the space thing? Uh, heard of it? Sounds like we've got a lot of room for improvement. How, it when you're looking at space on individual players, how, how does it normally end up sh- sorting out? Is it is it shooters? I don't know. Are corner shooters technically like the best at spacing? Like I, I just I haven't looked at that chart. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean they kind of have their own proprietary data, and I I haven't really dug into it at all. But okay. um, I mean. I, I would definitely assume that that shooting, that having shooters stationed around the perimeter is like a, a huge part of that. I don't know if like player movement is a part of it, but certainly shooters and uh, and like forcing defenders to defend around the perimeter, which is not something the Knicks had last year, right? Like you had you had Julius Randle, you had Mitchell Robinson, you had these guys, Alfred Payton, who draw no attention on the perimeter, and so R.J. Barrett who is a player who desperately, like his whole game is predicated around getting into the paint, um, getting to the rim. He had nowhere to go. He was, he was, you know, bowling ahead into, into packed paints and, and nothing was working for him. So, you know, at the very least, like you'd hope to see that spacing improve. And if it hasn't, like he's got to improve his free throw shooting. That's the next thing because he's a very physical player and he's going to be getting to the line a lot. He was one of the, I think like he may have led the, um, rookies last year in getting to the line in free throw attempt rate so as long as he starts starts converting those i think that's gonna be another big part of his game yeah and rj started to get me excited i i you know we we went through last season and you know it was it was another tough nick season and obi top and we're starting to come around on it but and i said this a lot last year we we often forgot rj being what he was last year is still a win he's 20 years old um, and it, you know, it's not like he turns 20, he turns 21 in June, June 14th. Oh, month before someone in here. Um, anyways, and his, his numbers got better as he went on, which you, you'd kind of expect as a rookie, but that free throw percentage was scary at first. It started getting better. I'm starting to get more excited about RJ Barrett. And the thing I've been pushing on you guys 
the whole time is I want to see the rock in his hands more. I, I originally dreamed of him as a point guard. I don't see that happening from what we've seen so far, but we still have this massive glaring hole at point guard where it's like, if I want the ball in somebody's hands on this team, I, I think it's RJ. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, I know, I think I've been saying it for going on three or four years now, but point the point guard position is nominal at this point. Um, you have, at the end of the game, the best player is usually just going to take the ball up the floor. Um, like It's not like they're facing a zone press that they need someone to break. So I think RJ is going to have the ball in his hands a lot at the end of the games, and he's going to be the one initiating the offense and, and trying to to – to set up his teammates and set up himself to to win games, hopefully. Uh, so I think I think that's going to be a big a big thing for him this year. I think the model you're looking at is probably like Demar Derozan, who's you know always the shooting guard in all the lineups he plays in. But a lot of times he does initiate the offense. He brings the ball up. He's creating for others. He's averaging like five assists per game in a lot of these seasons. So I think that's kind of what you're hoping from R.J. Barrett as far as being able to be a a, a, play, a kind of a secondary playmaker. Um, and also kind of being able to use his his game, even though he can't shoot threes all that well. I mean, hopefully he takes that up towards average, league average. But um, I think at this point, DeRozan's kind of like a nice model for his game. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, you you I haven't been you haven't been the biggest DeRozan fan yourself, Tom, have you? Or 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 are you the biggest DeRozan fan? I don't I forget which one it is. I I have been a sneaky fan. I've been a sneaky DeRozan fan for some years. Yeah. He's he's a really big DeRozan fan. I, I knew it was one of the two. And Tom believes when, in the the mid range jumper. And if if RJ can't hit the knock down the three but like you said, we assume we hope that he'll take a jump there. But he's got a nice mid range game and he's he's down to bully smaller guards. And DeRozan's got that, like, really nice footwork, you know. Um, like, he studied all the greats and kind of tries to mimic the the footwork of guys like Kobe, especially in the post and things like that. And you want to see RJ start start making those. You know, because in transition and things like that, RJ is very good with his footwork. He'll hit you, he'll hit you with the Euro step um, and some fancy footwork. But, you know, in the half court is where he's going to really need to step it up. And I think – you know, him posting up smaller guards, it can be a source of offense for him. He's a big, strong guy. And he's only going to get stronger as he gets older, too. And when you think about it, everyone either is or isn't the biggest DeMar DeRozan fan in the world. Uh, that's that's everybody, 50-50 shot. Hmm. So that's huge. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Deep cuts from DB. Tom, I I also just want to let you know. Sadly, John ja Morant averaged point one more free throws a game Damn. than RJ Barrett. Heartbreaking, but yeah, he's up there. I may have said free throw attempt rate. I'm gonna look that up, and if that's if that's better, then I'm gonna bring it up. And if it's not better, then I'm gonna just be silent. So we won't circle back on. Let's not. Don't circle back. I will if necessary. Honestly, am, Kenny has. Kenny has no idea how to look up free throw percent rate, so yeah, just say, about it. Yeah. just yeah, say just, that you were right. That's you true. You can lie to the rest of us really easily. <laughs> I do that a lot. Tom, yeah. Tom's the stat you, guy. You can lie to the listeners too. They're dumb. They don't <laughs> care if you lie to them. <laughs> Thanks. It, it doesn't it. matter. Thanks I mean, you guys heard my pre-draft takes. Love I guys. guaranteed that the Knicks were not going to take Obi Toppin. So, just do we. Do we need RJ Barrett to come out with the the Julius Randall like workout I'm in better shape picture? I think I'd like that. 
Because his game is going to be predicated around getting to the line a lot. So, like, should, I, should we be looking for R.J. Barrett thirst traps almost? You're I saying get a six-pack and yeah. get the confidence to, at the free-throw line. Like, the six-packs will translate to confidence, and he'll be able to hit those free-throws more. I think R.J.'s already very strong based on, what was it, him just tossing P.J. Tucker to, like, win the end of the game? Was that is that is that something that happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he he manned handled the Rockets, and I mean, like the rest of us, I'd be down for a pick of him with his shirt off for sure. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I'm going to his Instagram right now. I want to see. Yeah, I think he just need he needs to taste himself a little more. Um, it's Canadian. Kind of it's like, it's cold in Canada, man. That's true. That, that's kind that. of like. That's the thing I'm like excited about with RJ because I feel like we got the long off season and presumably he's been working on stuff and there was a lot of things he could improve. The roster should accommodate him a, at least a little better, probably not well, but a little better than last year because it's impossible to be worse than last year. He was the he had the worst. Is it though? I mean, Tom said zero with percentile, so I feel good about the spacing. And can't I, get worse. I think we can't overlook the Fizdale thing, man. He he genuinely really wasn't a coach. Tibbs is still really well respected. Interested to see what he has in the tank, but that should push RJ to I, I don't want to say a new level, but I, I'm I'm really excited to see RJ Barrett's growth this year. I, I think that will probably still be the best thing to watch on the team. When we do this, you know, we normally circle around on Mitch. Um, I don't know. I, and, and when I think about Mitch, it's always playing more and staying out of foul trouble. And, you know, it's going to be efficient. And some nights it's it's really cool and really fun to watch. I guess it's if him and Toppin are a fit at all. Because, you know, th- those are supposed to be two pieces of this thing going forward. And that's all going to depend on, I was going to say Toppin shooting. I guess Mitch has these shooting videos that leak out every couple weeks. Like, do we... Do we think yep. Mitch is going to shoot any threes? Do we think Toppin is going to be shooting threes effectively or at least show us that he can as a rookie? I think Mitchell Robinson had the same him shooting three video, threes videos before last season, and I don't believe he's attempted a single three this year. So yes. I would not expect that to be a thing. Toppin, yeah. showing the videos. I mean, I think Toppin will definitely shoot some some threes. I think Mitch will probably step outside and expand his game beyond just dunking it. I don't think he'll get to the three-point line. But, I mean, he's been a good free-throw shooter, so you could see him stepping out and hitting that 10-foot jumper, 10 to 15. And then, I mean, with everybody else, they're going to have to make a lot of threes in order to win basketball games. So that's that's the anatomy of an upset. Just hit a bunch of three-pointers. And the Knicks are, are built to, to be a team to upset people because they're certainly not a team built to be the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mitchell has not attempted a three in his entire career, so I do not expect him to be, be shooting much. I'm not all. watching those videos again until he does. All right. I'm just telling no, you. That's, I, it's a waste of time to watch those videos. Those mean nothing. I saw a stat that he only took one shot outside of 10 feet last year. And for all I know, that was like a half court heave or something at, at the buzzer. No, because so. he had he had no threes, so no. No, so it was just a a shot clock violation, maybe. Who knows? I'm just saying it's not it's not a worthwhile thing to look at those, you know, going up against a five, you know, ten 
trainer or something, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different ball game. And Mitch hasn't even shown any sort of ability to step out. I mean, actually, I mean, his free throw percent, percentage would indicate that he has some touch out there, but in the, um, I, th- yep. I think you guys might be misremembering Mitch's free throw percentage. Um, just because he shot 60% his rookie year and 56.8% last year. That's actually a lot worse than I remember Ooh. it being. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is pretty bad. Wor- I thought he had better touch than that. It's worse than his field goal percentage, so and he just he, he just sent the rec- he just sent the record for best field goal percentage though, so who knows what that's saying. Kenny just keeps correcting me today. Good, someone yeah, has to. This is, are you guys yeah. cool? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I haven't uh, looked up that RJ stat, man. so who knows? I did look it up. I was Sorry, wrong. guys. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Are these guys we're talking about even on the team? <laughs> who are these? Guys? No idea. So let's talk no about idea. Bobby Portis now. DVD, who's your mo- what's the most fun starting five for you next year? Ooh, most fun. Most fun. See, that's hard because I don't think there's – five players I really want to see in any capacity. Austin Rivers. Well, let's see. It's hard to go in order. Well, I mean, Mitch and Obi at the five and four. You got to work backwards a little bit. We've all got Mitch, Obi, and RJ, right? Yeah. Then throughout the last two. <laughs> I, mean, I, guess I'd, I guess I'd rather see Frank out there than anybody else. But like we did this the other episode, like what's the who, who's like the primary ball handler there? I guess that's how we get to see some RJ handling the rock, and the other and then another wing. The easy answer is Knox, except I I'd want to see him play the four, but no. I just want to see him play at all. So huh. just give me that's just all young people. Cool. That is fun. So, <laughs> Frank, RJ, Knox, Obi, and Mitch. That's the five I want to. Those are the only five players I want to watch. Like maybe I'd sub quickly for oh, right, Knox, right. slide RJ up one or something. That sounds good to me. He he seems kind of fun. Yeah, like RJ Alec could be a Burks. small forward. Yeah, I feel like Alec Burks might be on my list. Oh, no. oh, yeah. Do I, I just, do I want to watch Rivers? Hey, we just need to see RJ with some shooting around him. And I mean Rivers has been a really good shooter. I'm not gonna look at the stats, but so not, Kenny I don't think he has. He's yeah, not I'm, actually a good shooter. A little, he's a very I'm, he's a very mediocre three point shooter. So he's serviceable. I'm, one idea, and I don't think that this is the the top thing I would want to watch, just because it, it doesn't include Mitchell. Uh but if you throw Omari Spellman out there and you with um, with Obi, then those two can both shoot. And then if you have RJ in there, and then I don't know, Quickly. Reggie Bullock. Can I Quickly. can I ask? Do you think that that's an unbiased answer to the question? I, I'm not saying. I'm just saying if we're trying to put shooting around these guys, Omari Spellman is a guy who can shoot at the center position. Not because you went to Villanova. Well, can, can Spellman defend? Because, uh, yeah, that'd be my first question. Um, I mean, he's. I think he's serviceable as a defender. He's a little small for for a center, but he's a big physical body. Uh, so like he can bang in the post, and he has a little bit of the ability to to step out and guard smaller players. So like he's not. I don't think he's going to be exposed as a defender, but I don't think he's a Mitch level defender. 
Right. I guess my question would just be, would it make even more sense just to put Toppin at the five, you know, in kind of like a small ball lineup? Um, but I then mean, at the four, you're talking about like Kevin Knox and then a Knox uh, Toppin front court is just going to get destroyed in the paint. Like that would, that'd be pretty ugly. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I've never watched even, Spellman play basketball, so I don't know. I don't even know if Spellman's going to be on the team to start the season, but he is, if he is, he's an option as a guy who can, who can shoot the three and, and play a big, you know? MKG, Knox. Sure. Dennis Smith Jr. Yup. Uh, do we think oh my i forgot he was on the team yeah what a do we think tibbs is gonna lean veteran like do we do we have a scouting report on this i mean i you know going back to the chicago bulls days the the report was you know he he ran kind of ran the guys into the round Derek rose joe kim i mean he played them all the time luau blah 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 uh, do we think he's going to be leaning veteran? This is a conversation that we had leading into last year a little bit before we got a real head coach again. Um, and it, this is tricky for me because I can see Tibbs wanting to do that and trusting veterans and liking, you know, what Alfred Payne can do around an NBA court. I mean, MKG, I don't know. I know he's going to play defense. I know Tibbs is looking for that. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I could see Tibbs leaning a lot, a lot on these veterans and, Someone like Knox, man, if, if he gets in the doghouse early, like that's kind of going to be it. Yeah, I think uh, he has basically said he's like the best players are going to play. And I think that's – and I know we talked about this with Fisdale too, but I think that's just how coaches are because they have to make defensible decisions. And unless like the front office and him had a conversation where it's like, all right, you got to play the young guys, like I, I think it's just going to be whoever is whoever's playing the best is going to play. I just think it's really easy to lose the locker room if you start playing guys who haven't earned their minutes. And I know that's kind of what Knicks fans want uh, is to is to play the young guys and to let them get their lumps. But um, you know, Kevin Knox, it's based on how he's played so far. You know, certainly in his sophomore season, it would be hard to justify playing him minutes at the four or whatever over Julius Randle, who is objectively our best or is our best player coming into this season. I, I think that's safe to say. Um, you know, as far as like most impactful, I think some people will point to Mitch, but as we've said before, he has a hard time staying on the floor. He can't create any offense for himself at all. So, um, I, I understand the impact, uh, argument for him, but I, you know, Julius Randles are the best player on the Knicks. That's, it's a tough reality, but that's how it is. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a tricky situation. I do think Thibs is going to, as Kenny said, play in his eyes, who's the best, who are, who's playing the best, who's earned it. Um, and that will probably, you know, earn the ire of Knicks fans more often than not this season. Yeah. I know, like and- the reputation is that he's keeps the, the rotations fairly small, even in the regular season, which puts us in kind of a weird spot. Cause sort of like last year we're in, we're, we're in a position where like a lot of guys, deserve minutes or at least we want to see a lot of guys getting minutes it's gonna get weird yeah and i mean if that's because of course it is i I haven't watched enough of tibbs's teams to know like what the deal is with his things but i think someone mentioned before the pod that they were talking about you know using the young legs and to the extent that's the case maybe they expand the 
they expand the uh, rotation and have like a bunch of guys getting minutes, and you know, that might not be the worst thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, I don't think Rivers and Burks came here to to sit on the bench, or maybe they did. I don't know because we didn't overpay them by as much as as we overpaid people last year. I think we probably did give them a little bit of an overpay. Just to just just to get him to come. Even Rivers, I know people are shocked at his contract, but he got a raise from what he was making last year, so I don't I don't think it's too crazy of a deal. And I think that 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 was the thing last year that was also people were saying you can't like you're paying these guys all of this money, you can't have them sitting there this whole time. And but now like we're not paying these guys that much money, so you they potentially could have them sitting there. Yeah, I mean I'm you know I. I, I don't know if it's in the concern column or, or whatever I'd label it, but I mean, I there's seven guys that if we saw them on another NBA team in a rotation, we'd be like, oh, yeah. Um, like, it's Julius Randle, it's MKG, it's Nerlens Noel, Austin Rivers, Alec, Alec Burks, uh, Alfred Payton, and I thought Bullock. I saw one more. Reg, Reggie Bullock. Um like, those are seven guys. Those are seven NBA names that I, the average fan has heard of along the way, that those guys are on our roster. And, I, I mean, if Tibbs starts leaning that way, that's – I mean, we're starting to write the book on guys like Knox and, and Frank. And so one thing that I – I don't even know how it fits into this, but, like, I just – now that we have a development staff, I think that that's going to be a thing too. Like, we can develop the players, and I think Tib said there's you know more than one way to to develop players. It's whether there's practice games, um, there's the G League. Although I think a lot of people are saying the G League is going to be different this year just because of COVID. Like, going back and forth between teams might not be as easy. Uh, but I think that's going to be a thing too. So you know, to the extent that you know, Kevin Knox gets sent to the G League, like, that's a thing that could happen. If DSG, DSJ gets sent to the G League, like, that could happen. Whereas I know last year uh, they said Scott Perry was very against using the G League for development purposes, while other other teams, like, I know Budenholzer was a big proponent of, of using the, the G League to develop players, and I know, like, a bunch of the people who we developed on the Hawks did that. Um, another another Villanova guy, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, with the Bucks did that. And then, you know, he was a, a big part of the rotation last year. So, you know, there is the opportunity to, to potentially develop some guys without giving them minutes, I guess, is the, the end takeaway. Yeah, maybe, and maybe that happens with uh, the young name that came to mind was like quickly, maybe having – going back and forth be more difficult this year um, or different rules. Maybe they just have a guy like that just like be in the G league for a good amount of the year and get minutes down there, develop and like next year be the year we really start giving them minutes. I, I could be just talking. Well, I am talking out of my ass on that, but no, but I think it's a possibility because like, like you said, I mean, like we leave guys there longer. Yeah. That'd be a bummer. I got excited for quickly. I like him. He's my yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, he's a first round pick. He's a first round pick, so you'd hope that's not what happens. But if that's the only way he's going to get minutes, then it makes sense. But hopefully, that doesn't happen. He's just the guy we drafted uh, latest. So. Yeah, and I mean, it was a. That's the that's the, the mental math I did on that equation. And it was a, a late late first round pick, so it's not like. 
he's a, a top of the first round guy. And and you know, I mentioned Dante DiVincenzo, who was also in that range, uh, who went down and then became a a, a big part of the Bucks Bucks uh, rotation with Budenholzer. But the yeah. big thing is we have a development staff, which apparently we haven't in the past. So maybe some of these guys will develop. Would be nice. That feels like a miss from the old Knicks, not having right. a development team. Yeah, and I've made that point before that I was shocked to find that out when they were like, oh, we're going to have a development team now. And I was like, why was that not a thing in the past when you had all of these young guys under contract? I don't How know. That possible. Los Knicks. Greg, what do you got on your mind? Not much. I'm just hoping that people are able to shoot. I'm, I'm hoping to see quickly in the game. We were we shot really well from uh, three at Kentucky, and that's what we need, people shooting from three. So just like Tom said, Tom's going to be looking for the R.J. Barrett with the shooters around him. I'm going to be looking at the shooters themselves. I don't, I don't, I don't not focused on R.J. Barrett. Even Julius Randle, hopefully he shoots better from three than, than he did. He, start, he started last year like over oh, for 20 or something. Right, because last year it seemed like we nominally brought in some shooters, right? I mean, Dotson was still on the roster. Wayne Ellington was supposed to come in and be this great shooter with a lot of movement. Kevin Knox, we expected major improvement from him coming off a, a solid rookie season. You know, Marcus Morris ended up having a great shooting season Bobby Portis was supposed to be the stretch big Julius Randle the year before in New Orleans was like a a strong shooter um and so like on paper I I feel like we were kind of having a similar conversation we're just like we we were expecting more shooting right and then I'm just hoping that this upcoming season isn't kind of like a mirror image of that where I don't yeah. know, guys. Alec Burks, I'm, I'm a little worried about, to be honest. I, I don't know if those numbers are going to hold for this year. Like He's just kind of the guy I'm, I'm looking at as a, as a big swing player, right? He's he's kind of a, a bigger wing. He's a type of guy that you need in today's NBA. And a lot of the Knicks' spacing is going to hinge on how he performs. And it's not like this roster is kind of like constructed perfectly. So uh, he he's someone I'm really looking out for as kind of just a guy in the, on the fringes who you might not suspect to be as integral as, as he may turn out to be. I am expecting him to be a big part of the team because I, I think he's one of the better player, players on our team. I think last year he averaged like 15 points a game, and I think I said on a previous pod that that would have been like third on our team. He was our marquee acquisition of the offseason, making $6 million. So... Yeah. He only averaged 11.6 last year, so now I'm correcting myself. But still, that would have been, I think, top three on the Knicks, maybe. If you oh no, no, that was 11 points, Kenny. That was 11 points. I'm gonna correct your correction. You were right. Wow. He did average. He did average 15 last year in 2019-20. There you go. In 18-19, he averaged 11.6. Granted, last season his uh, his season was split between the Golden State Warriors, who were the worst team in the league, and he got to just put up shots. And then Here. for the last like 18 games of the season, he went to the to the 76ers, where he just averaged 12 points per game and wasn't quite as. I mean, he just he, he actually shot better from three in Philly, but he wasn't asked to do as much, so he wasn't scoring as much. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I, correct I'll correct Tom's correction of Kenny's correction. So he averaged 11.6 on the Cavs two years ago. Before the season, <laughs> he averaged eight eight point eight. 
So I'll it's correct a- all of your corrections and that say that I was looking at field goal attempts last year, which was also 11.6, which matches the Cleveland 11.6 I'm points per game. I'm looking at free throw percentage of field goal attempts attempted. So <laughs> this, this got ugly that. pretty quickly. So in 1819, he played for three different 13, teams. He played for Utah, Cleveland, and Sacramento all in one season. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's not a great sign. That's not like no. <laughs> teams aren't clamoring to keep him. I mean, seem. he's played for he five only, teams in two seasons. He got it down to two teams last year, Tom. So it's, <laughs> oh, he's getting he's down better. to one this year. And, and honestly, yeah, this, that this year we won't trade him at any point for anything. So that that one team this year. That Philly stat line. I don't want to say looks ideal because we'd be looking for more, but he gets traded over to Philly. He plays 18 games with them, only one start. Uh, and he does. He shoots 41.6% from three on 4.3 uh, attempts on a new team, new offense. I'm assuming a new offense. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at that 12.2 with three boards, two assists. If we get Philadelphia Alec Burks, which, again, that was a good team, which, okay, now you start walking all over yourself because he put up 16.1 on Golden State, but they were atrocious last year. So I don't know. I mean, I kind of like that Philly stat line. Yeah, I'm Something. for it. Yeah. I'm just a little skeptical. That's all. Call me call me a cynical Knicks fan. I'm just a little dubious that, uh, that you know, so much of the Knicks' hopes as far as spacing goes are going to kind of hinge on this guy who's played for five teams in two seasons and – uh, you know, replace Joel Embiid with Julius Randle in the paint spinning around him. Let's just see. I don't know. I'm yeah. I, I hope he proves me. I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. I, I hope I'm wrong. But uh, I you know yeah. I've been wrong plenty of times. Been wrong multiple times on this podcast, as Kenny will attest. But I, I just I think that Alec Burks might be. Um, I think we're just yeah, hoping, I'll, for too much. We're hoping for too much. I'll agree with Tom. I think the 76ers may have some better complementary pieces too. Alec Burks than the Knicks, but what about the Warriors? I don't know. I I, I just, I just remember being so optimistic about Wayne Ellington. Don't you guys remember last year? I was coming in like this guy just runs around every screen. He's gonna, and he did. And And do you remember the rest of us being like, I don't think so. Are you talking about the same guy? (laughs) He ran around a lot. Ellington. What were his shot attempts throughout last season? Remember when he just went nuts? Someone listening to this, you can go back to one of our earlier pods. I don't remember what it is, and I don't remember what the stat was. But after the trade deadline passed, he shot very well from three on a lot of attempts. So yes, he just didn't want to get traded. He just wanted to be a Nick. And it was still his worst year ever, even (laughs) with the great stretch at the end. His worst shooting year by a lot. I'm looking at the rates now. It it is staunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for he, he for you listeners, yet? for you listeners, just go back and listen to every podcast we did after the yeah. trade deadline, and you'll Until find a stat <laughs> that may or may not be right about Wayne Ellington. <laughs> and let us know. Make a comment. Make a comment uh, on the podcast. Let us know what that stat was. Man, yeah, I'm in Julius Randall's numbers now. He kind of got better as the season went. But I, I don't know, man. He, he literally took the wind out of every Knicks fan last year. Like you could audibly hear 
Knicks fans groaning when he would do the same spin move that I, uh, I don't know, like Tom, you uh, 10 minutes ago saying he was the best player on a team, best player on a team. It felt like, felt like I was being punished. <laughs> he's just not fun to watch. Like he's, he's a fine player, but like his game is a little outdated for the NBA right now. Um, and like right now you need shooting and he's just a, a big bulldozer of a, you know, power, power forward center trapped in a power forward's body. I don't know. He's just, it's not fun to watch. I don't like looking at it. It's remarkably unpleasant. It's fun to watch when he's balling out, but I guess that could be said about any player in the NBA. When it's working, it's great. Yeah. I just, it's 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 not. It's this weird mindset. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I we love basketball reference here, and I'm looking at his page, and it's like, okay, you know, twenty points, ten boards per game. Like I, it feels like I should like this guy more, but I don't know. Hope maybe Tibbs can help. Maybe second year, maybe RJ's growth and him, because it, it's where this conversation always lands. Like he can't be a first option if if he finds a good role as a a third or fourth on a team, Julius Randle, you know, is probably a nice basketball player, but as the one, it was tough. So I'm, I'm hoping it can art. How about this? Can RJ Barrett surpass him as the one on this team? So Julius Randle is not. I think one of the problems with Julius Randle for Knicks fans and for us is that he also doesn't fit with RJ at all. So like, or Mitch. Or Mitch. So like even if even if they are on the same page or they get to that point where RJ is is better than him, like if he's on the floor, that's not a good match. Like and they the two of them probably can't be on the floor together with Mitch. I I just don't know how it works. It's a bad bad construction of a team. He pretty badly fits every other player on the roster's abilities, which is tough. Yeah. Like cuz I think you can't have your three best players on the team at the same time. That's it's an issue. Yeah, and like he is in the same position as RJ, where I think if you surrounded him by shooter with shooters, he'd be a much better player. And like he can set up on the high post, and he has shooters around him that you know he could potentially pass it to. And then if not, he can bulldoze his way for a layup. But that's not how the team's constructed, and you know he. R.J. Barrett doesn't fit the the complimentary player to him. And I think to answer your question, Jake, like I don't think that it's that Julius Randle has the kind of mentality or just the personality to defer to someone like R.J. Barrett. You know, I, I think that Mitchell Robinson, if he were placed in a situation, I think we saw him with Anthony Davis for a little bit, yeah, in New Orleans, and he deferred to him as being like the, the best player on the team and that was a much more comfortable role for him but with this Knicks team I just don't see him being like okay RJ you take the reins you know Randall's still in his prime he's not like this over the the hill washed up guy who's kind of okay with the, the young guy coming up and and sort of passing the baton over to him that's just not where he's at in his career and it doesn't seem to be really in his personality so I would be very surprised if Randall were not the leading scorer of this team this season I agree with that yeah I mean I think I'm 
I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess that, that thought process gets me excited. If RJ can really, really take a leap and control the ball and ball handle more, and maybe Tibbs kind of leans into that, I mean, I, I could see that being a good thing for both players. I'm, I'm just looking for some optimism. I mean, one one potential option, and, and Tom, as our strategy guy, maybe you can poke holes in this, but how do we feel about having RJ doing the ball handling, and this would involve taking Mitch off the court, RJ doing the ball handling, uh, and um, Randall doing a Randall screen and roll, and then having shooters around the, the perimeter? I mean, I do like that. It's just, you know, Randall hasn't really shown... I feel like he kind of likes to pick and pop more than you'd expect. Like, he doesn't really roll hard to the basket. Whereas you look at, you look at Mitchell Robinson, who just rolls like he wants to dunk on people every single possession. And that's kind of what you want out of a rim run, running big. And if, you, if you're going to be a pick and pop guy, then you better be able to shoot the ball. And Randall hasn't really proven that in a Knicks uniform at this point. So... You know, I think ideal. That's a better fit than maybe what we're going to see this upcoming season. But ideally, it really would be a Mitch RJ pick and roll with shooting around it. That's just much more dangerous to me. I'm just trying to find a way to optimize the pieces. We all are. They're going to have to pay us more for that. It's, <laughs> it's a struggle. <laughs> Yeah, so far we've found out that we can't play our best three players at the same time, so now we have to work back from there. Quickly's in the G League all of a sudden. I don't know, man. I, I, that's the that's the only the only thing is I don't know where the, the veteran young guy line lands. Um, it, it, it feels, you know, we had kind of a good offseason, and now the closer we get to the basketball, I haven't seen those changes yet. And hopefully Tibbs can provide that. And we actually set screens and maybe screen a human instead of instead of just okie-doking the whole time. If Maybe we could play a little defense. I mean, maybe this product can really come together because this offseason was kind of nice for a little bit. It's like, yeah, we're the new Knicks. And now as we approach the season, it feels like, oh, we might be the old Knicks. Yeah, and I'm I'm not – I'm not expecting us to have a particularly strong record at the end of the season, but if we want to leave with some optimism, uh, I I go back to the whole, we hired a development staff um, as a big thing. And I think one of these young guys is going to make a big jump, whether that's, you know, Barrett, Frank, Dennis Smith, Jr., Omari Spellman, Emmanuel quickly, Kevin Knox, like one of those guys, I am hoping, you know, having this, having development staff and, and like possibly getting some minutes is going to make a jump and, and they'll be Kenny, a, a like piece the, the for names, the future. The names you said there, like it didn't inspire a great deal of confidence. Like Dennis Smith Jr. did feel like a lost cause. I know Knicks fans were super low on Knox. I don't think Amari Spellman is kind of like a part of the, the equation. I think. Just so much of it hinges on RJ Barrett's development. Like he I was mean, already, I think, yeah. I think that you're you're being a little harder on on DSJ and and Kevin Knox than like I, I know they had they were real bad last year and Kevin Knox um, had better numbers his rookie year but at the worst efficiency possible. But they were also playing for Fisdale, who like wasn't an actual coach. He was more of a motivator. 
uh, a guy to to bring the team together, which is the opposite of what he did. Um, <laughs> and like I said, they didn't have they didn't have a development staff. And like you saw you saw some good things from Dennis Smith Jr. in Dallas before he came here, and you saw some flashes of good stuff from Kevin Knox. You know his rookie season. Um, and you know he was shooting a little better at the beginning of this last season before he fell off. So like I think that there's talent there, and if anyone's gonna maximize it right now, it's it's gonna be Tibbs and and the staff. And that's 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 the only thing I can really hope for this year, right? Because like I said, I'm not expecting a big big season wins wise. Yeah, no, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to quash people's hopes. I guess um, I, I agree. The talent is there with both DSJ and and with Knox. And just having watched them all last season and, and really digging into the tape, my concern is just their motor, like just their desire to like really compete and, and get better. And like, you know, I don't, I don't see them practice. I just see what happens in between the lines for those 48 minutes or whenever they're on the court. But like you watch Knox last year and it just, he didn't seem to have like the energy or the competitive spirit that you want out of a young guy. And it's like, that's kind of table stakes. That's like, you need to have it to even get to even be a contributing player in this league. And so that's like the one, that's the thing I'll be looking at this year. It's just, do these guys give a shit? And are they going to like really try to win basketball mm-hmm. games? Are they going to hustle? Are they going to leave it out there? And you know, last year the answer was no. And I, and this year I am definitely looking for that to change. Yeah, Jake's gonna have to slap an explicit sticker on this now, Tom. Thanks a lot. Um, I, I don't know it. how I became how I became the Knox defender, but like I also think, and and we've mentioned this before that he was so poorly used last year, and I don't know that that's gonna improve this year because we just brought in Obi Toppin, who you know presumes to slide into the position that we'd like to see Knox at. But I think that might be part of it is just like he got lost because he was playing the wrong position, and you know he he didn't know what he was doing because he had a coach who didn't know how to coach and i think you know we're missing that there's no stop in ob top and bvd did we hear that did, there was a uh did we already get a dsj looks really good this year was that a tweet or something oh yeah we've gotten a few of those and uh i don't know you can believe it to whatever degree you want i gotta i'm personally under uh under the belief like i gotta see it in the game as i think we all are there. Um, yeah, people are saying he looks really good in the workouts. It's the tweets I'm seeing. Like, cool. I hope so. He's shown flashes at this level, and he was a top ten pick, and he was a freak athlete. And last year, a bunch of like weird stuff completely out of his control happened. A lot of weird stuff that was completely in his control happened. Um, because like ultimately, he still played badly. I don't. Know, I mean, if he if he is like playable. That'd be nice. I don't know how much that changes the the outlook of the team, but it'd, it'd be nice. And he is young, and he does, in theory, play you know point guard, which has always been a position of need. So it'd be cool. Yeah, and I I don't know who it's gonna be, but I think one of those guys. I mean, they have they have talent, and I mean, Tom's questioning their motors. Probably valid, but I think one of those guys under under Tibbs and under this staff can can make a jump. I don't. Like I'm that. not gonna be. The, I'm not gonna be the negative guy all season. I, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> all right. Like, I'm not gonna paint myself in that corner. I'm just. I'm just being a little realistic. I'm. I'm trying to be, especially about Kevin like DSJ. Knox, have you ever Kevin heard? Kevin Knox was playing two guard last season for a minute. Like no. I I like what you stumbled into, Kenny. I think we need 
and again, this is kind of what I what I was looking for here is how how do we frame this next season? Because it's another loser, stinks, dump it. Um, how about give me give me one reclamation project or and I've got the three. It's Frank, it's Knox, um, and who's the I just Dennis Smith Jr. Frank Knox and Dennis Smith Jr. Give me one of those guys becoming a bona fide they will be in the nba for the next eight years can i get that next year i would love that it's a tall ask after what we saw last season i mean frank (laughs) frank has the most potential of those three to to fit that mold maybe not the most potential but to be a superstar floor yeah yeah so i mean he could defend he could he could carve that P.J. Tucker niche in a different way than P.J. Tucker does it. And, so. we, and we've certainly seen Frank at the floor, and we know that that is a guy who can kind of play. We've seen their floors. <laughs> all three yeah. of them. We can only yeah, hope. we've seen all their floors. <laughs> yeah, them. and I think that part of that Frank conversation is his motor and his, his competitiveness, which is definitely there. And as far as the DSJ thing, like, have we ever heard a rumor coming out of camp that someone's not looking so good? Like this guy, uh, Dion Waiters, Raymond Felton, Jake Storielli. <laughs> similar body types, all three. Yeah, all the way around, <laughs> kind of similar. <laughs> we'll do it again. Um, starting to see a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> starting to know what to look for. We know what to scout for. Um, you boys have anything else? We we've kind of stumbled into an hour of Knicks with without too much Knicks news. Do we have anything else we need to say? I mean, I guess we could talk about the un the undoing if if we want to. I haven't watched it yet, so should I just drop off? No. You do a spoiler you free. Well, well, we we talked about doing a a new segment on the show at the very end for for people right. who want to stick around, calling uh, calling it "What Else Is On," and just talking about a TV show we're all watching. Um, <laughs> Greg came up with that name, and I I like that. Uh, but yeah, because yeah, I mean, we we are intense, anticipating. Not a lot of fun this season. We're anticipating watching development. Hopefully, we didn't see as much as we wanted last season, so we're we're pre preemptively getting ready to to spice it up. Yeah, the, I mean the Knicks are projected to be the worst team by uh, everybody, and I I don't believe any of us uh, viscerally disagree. Mm. Yeah, so some think, of us are like, I think no, we're, we're on board with the segment. Yeah, we're on on our most optimistic view. We are the third best, third worst team. That's our most optimistic stance. I still don't get <laughs> like we said Wayne Ellington last year, and he's been like a really good NBA player, and he just wasn't. It's just this weird thing that still goes through my head every day. Um, <laughs> and you know, I look at this roster and I see the same thing. So. Uh, what are you guys? What are you guys watching? I didn't watch the, the happening or whatever. What's it called? The Undoing. The Undoing, the undoing. with Hugh Grant, Nicole Kidman. Uh, a lot of fun that show. It's kind of like a Who Done It murder mystery. Um, Greg called the, the ending like after watching the first episode. So I, you know, I'm not gonna ruin it for you guys. But uh, I mean, we will I, if you guys want I, us to. Nah, I'll watch. I'm gonna watch it and then it's I'll watch it. I'll I mean, text we, Tom after the first episode and tell him I, after that first half of an episode and tell him what's going to happen just so I can beat Greg. I think it's still hot enough in the streets that we shouldn't discuss it, but I got to tell you, 
I hated every character in that show. <laughs> Besides yeah, gotta, the kid, I think I like the kid. I gotta tell you, I'd call the cops. Yes, um, and then Jess the other one was the, was the. Oh yeah. Sorry, I, I just watched it and she enjoyed it. Um, but uh, you know, I don't want to give it anything away. But I heard there wasn't. I don't know. The ending was a little lackluster. I'm never going to watch it. The only thing else I saw was that Hugh Grant was like hooking up with the teacher or whatever, and the teacher looked really hot. So I'm kind of into that. Yeah. Yeah, it was the student's mom. Jake's hot for teaching. Not the teacher. More the patience, but no, it was a good. Uh, yeah. No, that, <laughs> that, like, stay for that. Come for that. Stay for that. Uh, the other show we were talking about was The Queen's Gambit, which mm. I, did we all watch that? Has anyone here not seen The Queen's Gambit? Jake, Jake hasn't been watching TV. You've been Jake so busy. You're working, man. I don't watch anything, man. You watch sports. Lately, yeah. every time I've heard someone say Queen's Gambit, I've uh, just been saying in my head, Gein's Quambit. Make oh, I wish you wouldn't <laughs> say it. I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> I th- we talked about the Queen's Gambit a while ago uh, on the pod, but like I've gotten really into chess since then. I've been playing a lot of chess. That's continued? You have yeah. been playing a lot of still, chess. I'm still playing a lot of chess. I'm playing chess right now while we're podcasting. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you enjoying it? Uh, it's, it's a nice distraction, I guess. Um, like if you, if you guys have any like games on your phone, I don't know if you guys do that. It's basically the same thing as having a game on your phone that you just spent a bunch of time playing, except it's chess. Past time doing that. Yeah. At least with chess, you can talk yourself into it's making you smarter. Yeah. I'm a, that's how I justify every game I play on my phone. Yeah, and basically, exactly. the, the main character in this show, she's just like a brilliant chess player, and it's uh, and she's also kind of an addict in some ways, like a, a pills and booze addict, and she's kind of juggling those two things, and it's just like it's pretty fascinating. It kind of turns into a sports movie at the end, where you're yeah, you like a team and you're rooting for them. It's, it's just a fun, it's a fun watch, and you actually feel good after watching it, which is kind of rare. So. You know, the undoing, you don't you don't feel so good after watching that. But spoiler, no, I mean, yeah. Queen's Gambit has like a a good ending. Um, my my criticism of Queen's Gambit, which was a good watch, nothing, not the most incredible piece of television. My big criticism was, to me, it felt like the addiction problems became like like actual problems out of nowhere. Because it felt like she was just managing all that pretty well the whole time. And then all of a sudden, like episode four or five or whatever came around, all of a sudden it's a problem and everyone's concerned about her. So and that, my, my that problem was, was my criticism. My criticism was almost the opposite, where like she was managing it so easily for so long, just like taking all these pills and drugs and then just turning it off like that and be like, "All right, time to go do this other thing now." And then, and then when Basically. she did fall into the, the rabbit hole of, of drugs and booze, you're like, "Yeah, I, I mean that it's about time. Like that makes sense." And then kind of the yeah, the route back to sobriety, it, it did seem a little, you know, unearned to me. Like, oh, you just, hmm. you just, it was that easy for you to kick all that stuff? <laughs> um, you've been but doing, you been taking these pills since you were like eight? Right. <laughs> She's like a very young kid. But look, I mean, they don't have a ton of time to work with it. It's a seven episode miniseries. You gotta, you gotta crank out that content, but... Um, yeah, so overall. all of, all of that struggle to, to become, uh, sober happened in the minutes that weren't on the show yeah we missed all that yeah greg any queen's gambit thoughts before we go 
Yeah, I thought it was all right. I thought that was. I, I think I had fun watching it, but it was predictable. But maybe I'm just a genius predicting stuff. It's starting to sound that well, way. Both of these shows, somewhat predictable. It's, I think, fair. Before I watched Ant, who's our TV guy in the office now, I think, officially willing to call him that. Uh, he just said, like, yeah, the show's good. He had just watched the finale. It's like, if you think there's going to be a twist, there isn't. Just so you know. <laughs> Which so, yeah, show? Yeah, that no, sounds, like, sounds like the Queen ga- Queen's Gambit as well. Yeah, so tying the two together. You think there's gonna I mean, be a twist. I know we agreed to not do spoilers, but I think you just did it. That was yeah. it. So, yeah, so that was the only Didn't thing. Say so, what it is. I will say. For 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 the undoing, now that we're just there, I jumped at every pump fake they threw. Just like they would throw like well, one line at like a little kid or like a really old man, I'd be like, he did it. It was the old guy <laughs> who did that. Like and like they'd do a close up on on him. Remember the the uh, Nicole Kidman's father? They had one scene where he was like really dressing down the school superintendent or whatever, the principal of this private school. And they do this close up, and he's just like snarling and saying this, all this mean stuff. And I was like, "Oh, obviously it was him." It's like <laughs> I, I just like jumped at every pump fake they threw, and uh, I was an idiot. So there you go. Well, <laughs> Probably should have thrown a spoiler me, alert I, somewhere. In when here. I got that kind of spoiler, I still, I still like fell for all of them because I was like, "Oh well, I'm not like on the last episode yet, so none of these count as the twist for me." So in the end, I still kind of just got the experience. Same. So hopefully, those listening, if you're planning to watch, the so undoing. I guess I just won't watch the undoing. Yeah, the I mean, we the... told you to watch it like a week ago, so I don't really feel too bad about. Yeah, this. I mean, I've, I've been wor- I've been working until like nine it's or ten every watch. night. And, no, then, and you watch the sixty days thing. My girlfriend's birthday so... yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've only been watching the sixty days thing for two. Yeah. You're busy days. hanging out and watching the sixty days thing and celebrating other people's birthdays. But, I yeah, I, I was I wasn't gonna make my girlfriend watch something else. All right, this is this is falling apart, this Kenny. Is, yeah. Kenny correcting Tom all episode. Dave, Big BB David ruining the undoing for everybody. I think I think it's time to sign off. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> I think I'm gonna do some drugs and play chess. But uh, <laughs> what else David? is on? That segment will be back next week. David. <laughs> <laughs> or David. I guess we have to watch something else for next week. Tom, Ken, Greg, Tom jumping at pump fakes like a young Mitchell Robinson. How about that? That's full circle. That's full circle. Um, hope for if you were craving some Knicks content, uh, you can fix your craving before you start playing chess. Uh, appreciate you guys. We're we're gonna be rolling into action soon. It still doesn't make sense in my head. Twenty twenty weirdness. Uh, we'll do some fun preseason stuff. Hopefully that big Julius Randle trade comes out. And let's go Knicks. Next tape.